the prosecution rests. Master Veidt, you have chosen to represent yourself, and yet, over the course of this past year, you've offered no testimony nor evidence to contradict the prosecution's case. If you have anything to say in your defense, say it now. gentlemen welcome to watching watchmen i'm jim bob and i'm joe and together we are we're one, one drink, drink in uh welcome back everybody we missed you sincerely i missed you even though i never really hear from you i hear some things uh that one fan writes in we have we have a fan thanks fan we have at least one fan uh other fans if you're out there we'd love to hear from you as well we welcome most comments I'm not going to say all comments. I welcome all comments, Mm. but I understand how some people might not. Uh, Anyway, we are watching Watchmen. Um, We watch Watchmen and we talk about it. We do. The TV show based on the comic book. And this is the seventh episode titled An Almost Religious Awe. That's kind of how I feel about Watchmen. (laughs) You have an almost religious awe? I do. Yeah. What? Uh, how? How about for Damon Lindelof? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damon Lindelof. Watchmen. I feel like most of the things he produces are kind of about an almost religious awe. You he know, he does have a, a fascination with religion for sure. Lost was pretty, pretty religious and oh, big time, awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like he said awful, but we all know. But like, we love it. Not yes, awful, awe. like bad. Yes, like awful, full of like, awe. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of awe mm-hmm. moments. You know what I mean. I knew what you I just wanted to clarify for our one listener at home. He's not dumb. He or she is not a dumb person. Um, watching Watchmen. Boy, this is bad. <laughs> What's bad? We we uh, we got off track here already. So, yeah, you, you heard our Just a Sip episode, I assume. Uh, and so we, we kind of recap the episode, but yeah, there's this is a great episode. Just great episode. Top one, the best episode. I, I, let's, let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Watching Watchmen. I'm, do I just say I'm Joe? I'm Joe. I'm Jim Bob. And together, we, we, we already did dead. this. We did too many drinks is the problem. Uh, I only am one in, so, so anyway. how many drinks you did? Uh, so the the episode opens with a staticky TV screen showing the words Watchmen or the word Watchmen. Yes, it's one word. It is. Um, I liked it. It worked for me. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I like about it is so it opens with this sort of uh, you know for those who aren't familiar with who Doctor Manhattan is, this nice little condensed exposition about exactly who he is, like his whole life story and. You know, a minute or two. German immigrant. Yes. Uh, um, son of a watchmaker's watchmaker. son. Yeah, that's that's that almost sounds like a play. It would make a good play. Uh, we should write it. <laughs> should burn somebody alive while producing it. Yes. It's like that quote. Uh, 
if a thousand monkeys are in a room with a typewriter, they'll eventually write Shakespeare. Yeah, for, on an infinite timeline. Yeah. What about uh, a series of clones pulled from the water, given an infinite timeline? They're basically monkeys. I think they could produce some quality literature. Probably. Do you think they have literature on uh, Europa? Uh, I think they have a concept of literature. Like they have all these concepts like pre-installed, like Windows. Do you, I guess they wouldn't have any books from Earth. They might. Be, he's got. Do you think they? He's would got have? like LPs from Earth, right? This is true. Ozzy does. Yeah. We don't really know what the a day in the life of one. But of I don't think the the clones are necessarily interested in that kind of thing. They're you know? not. They, they just they, have their religion. Yeah, they don't have that like. Uh, intellectual capacity for like curiosity and whatnot they just like i said everything that they know is pre-installed they're just on running on on the default package the game warden now he might be different he's a unique little maybe one he's different i think he's only different in so far as he's like got a specific purpose apart from what the other ones have and so he he just follows that purpose you'd think though because Ozzy can kill any of these other clones and they don't really bother him. But the game warden is different. There are certain rules in play. I don't know if he can kill the game warden. Maybe it's if he kills the game warden, all the other clones will rebel. Game over. Yeah. Like he can kill them. That's fine. But if he kills the boss one. Then they turn red and flashy and they all get angry. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) They get aggro. Don't kill the game warden. Uh, okay, so yes, watching Watchmen, seventh episode, an almost religious awe. Uh, this is the deep dive into the episode. We've watched it a couple times. Deep dive in the shallow end. And uh, yes, Manhattan, an American hero, a 10-hour docuseries on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> and yet they managed to give the audience of HBO's Watchmen everything they <laughs> need to know in about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the nine hours and 59 minutes, it's just him making watches. Yeah. <laughs> his attempts and failures at trying to make his first watch. Um, we get to see uh, what Vietnam looks like post-war, where uh, it's now part of America. Yes. And they're celebrating, what was it, VV something day? Uh, was it? There, there was some banners. Dr. The Manhattan Day. Basically, yeah, like I that, think yeah. maybe it's the anniversary of the the war yeah. ending, probably. And so, yeah, it's really cool. You have this whole parade of people dressed as Dr. Manhattan and with Dr. Manhattan like puppets everywhere, which is especially appropriate because, you know, he famously refers to himself as the puppet who can see the strings. Yes, I love that line. And um, I, I did not really make that connection the first time, but. Yeah, the puppet. It takes some it's people fantastic. a few tries, yeah. Not all of us can be you, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, what else? We've got uh, a young Angela going to a, a store to buy some sort of a, a cassette tape. Uh, or or, or v- rent it, yeah. A VHS? Some sort of uh, archaic technology. Yeah. Our, our ancestors used to use these to, to watch movies in the way that you and I might stream them. Mm, interesting. Yes. So they could just... Uh, on their television, pick whatever they want and they could watch it? Well, you would have to have a recording of it on this plastic rectangle. Mm. And it would be really low quality and you'd have to adjust the tracking. Tracking? Yeah. My goodness, that sounds horrible. The dark ages, I guess. It, it was it was a difficult time, but somehow we made it through. <laughs> the great v- VHS famine of <laughs> 1987. 
Uh, Let me tell you about Betamax. <laughs> Laserdisc. Yeah. Boy, there have been a lot of technologies. Now it's just uh, it's just digital. That's just it, right? We've basically peaked as a... Uh, well, to, to the assumption that we've peaked technologically is pretty much always the wrong assumption. Just because you don't know what you're doing when, when they got uh, compact discs, they thought that, well, this is the this peak is it. of human There's innovation. No, bother, no reason to try anything else because... These are shiny and cool and therefore the future. There you go. Um, she's uh, looking for a, a movie mm-hmm. and we see some pretty uh, interesting flicks in there. There were some some elephant yes. videos, some porn, some porn, some what was it called? Silk swingers. There were a few of them. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting how like they have the children's animated like elephant videos on the same rack with, you know, uh, what was it? Silk Swingers. Silk Swingers, which is a, a reference to the graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, certainly seems like a reference to. I think. To yeah. Sally's uh, what Tijuana Bible, she called kind, it. Yeah. Little, right. Silk Spectre. Uh, the original Silk Spectre back in the. 40s 40s yeah, yeah back yeah. back in the day back in the minutemen era and now we've got a series of porno movies inspired mm-hmm. by her so yeah like angela can just come in and like turn the rack around until she finds of course uh a movie called sister night about a nun, a nun with a with motherfucking, a motherfucking gun. gun yes pretty pretty cool i would watch it i kind of want to watch it i would totally yeah Mm, we'll have to look for it on VHS. It, it apparently does not exist. It's a fictional film, unfortunately. We'll have to create it then. <laughs> uh, Living in America's Plan. Great mm-hmm. song. Uh, we also see, actually, on that movie rack, before we, we move on from that, Fog Dancing. Fog Dancing. We couldn't think of the name in our Just a Sip episode, but it's Fog Dancing. The, the book that, uh, what's her name, Lois Clark... Was reading. was reading, yes. I'm from Clark Farm, an episode, what was it, two, three? No, Earlier it was like on. four. Four? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. If you don't like my story, write your own. I think it was that episode. Yes. Uh, yeah, she was reading that book, Fog Dancer. Fog Dancing. Fog Dancing. Dances By Max with Shea, fogs. yes. <laughs> Dances with Fogs. And uh, now they've got the, the movie, which, uh, honestly, I think the book was better. Uh, I think both of them don't exist, so. <laughs> but, yeah, you can... You can go with that. I will. Um, then we get to, she, she takes the book. What, what did the guy say at the desk? He says, uh, I'll be here when you take it back. Yeah, this is not his first rodeo so with Angela. It, it implies that she has tried to get this movie numerous times and has failed every time. Been thwarted by those meddling parents. <laughs> uh but she just smiles and she's got it. So she she she's walks like, out of this there. This time it'll work. This time it'll work. And he he assures her that he'll have her money when she comes back. Like it'll be waiting for her when she returns the tape because he knows that it's not going to work. Yep, he's been down this road. Before. Little does he know that he does get to keep that money, and uh, she gets to keep the the tape. Yep, because her parents are conveniently exploited. For the low low cost of both of your parents, you get to keep <laughs> that tape forever. Um, sport. Did we mention we do spoilers on this uh, show? Spoilers on a podcast about a show. Yes. Uh, so it's watching Watchmen. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, we watched it. We're going to talk about it. So if you haven't watched it, I, I suggest you find a different podcast that's probably not titled Watching Watchmen. Or watch Watchmen and then listen to Watching Watchmen. Or if you haven't watched it and you don't want to watch it, 
I think there's a podcast called Not Watching Watchmen. Is there? Where they just discuss all things non-Watchmen related. That's a lot of things. It's a, lot, it's a very lengthy podcast. Anyway, uh, spoilers abound. Uh, her parents get exploded. Yes. But not before we get some nice uh, quality dialogue from the father. Indeed. Telling her that we should be afraid of people who wear masks. Because they're hiding they're something. They're hiding something. And uh, so, yeah, Angela retorts with, well, you know, it's only pretend. It's not a big deal. It's just a movie. Yeah. And he says it's it's only pretend until it's real, which is I I thought that line kind of stuck with me because, you know, we have all these people playing dress up, pretending to be superheroes. Right. Is kind of this, you know, this cultural idea that, you know, everybody kind of wants to be a superhero. But then once you start doing it, the reality of it is quite. uh Quite different, quite more, a it's bit not more what difficult. They thought it would be, yes. But yeah, it's uh, and it's funny because it's it's basically describing what she'll do. She'll take that fictional movie character, and she's so inspired by it, she becomes that Sister Knight. Indeed, a nun with probably a motherfucking gun. She ha- she does have a gun. We've seen it. Mm. She has several. Does it fuck mothers? Um, I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in the title. I think it has to. I I, I don't know if that's literal. And, uh, yeah, explosion, horrific scene of Angela losing her parents. Yeah. And so as this is like building up to the to the explosion and, you know, the uh, Angela is witnessing like the puppet show and she sees the guy on the bike ride by. And then it's like intermingled with memories from, uh, you know, Will's experience of. The Tulsa Massacre 21. Yeah. Yeah, So kind of reinforcing that idea that, you know, this. History is repeating itself. Mm. You know, the trauma is, is is happening all over again. Different circumstances, maybe, but it's, you know, pretty much the same story. Yeah. Uh, another we're, we're basically seeing another hero's origin story. And it's also similar, I think, uh, uh, to to how Lori uh, witnessed her past in, in the comic book when when Dr. Manhattan kind of showed her mm, right. uh, the truth of her origin. Um so, you know, like how Angela jumps back and forth through time, it's kind of a, they use a different like technique, a different like sci-fi mechanism to sure. accomplish the same thing. I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. And as the bomb explodes, I think it jolts Angela awake and uh, knocks her out of bed, knocks her out of bed for the at least sixth time. Mm. And Lady True is not bothered by it at all. <laughs> Or maybe she is. She just, you know, knows how to deal with this. Yeah. Was, like all these nostalgia patients doing the same things over and over. You'd think a, a trillionaire would have help instead of being the, the one to check in on patients and give well, them I'm sure she does, injections. But I think there's reasons that uh, Lady True wants to talk to Angela Abar in person, you know? Instead of holographic beyond. <laughs> right. Yeah. All Cal gets is a hologram. That's but. right. Uh, we find out that she, uh, Angela has been, obviously she took the, the nostalgia pills and had, is having a adverse reaction. She's OD'd on waxing, as the mm-hmm. kids say. Yes. And, uh, True is giving her the tutorial video for, uh, basically what to do in case you take someone else's nostalgia pills. I tell you, waxing is not lit AF. It's not on fleek at all. So all you kids, youngsters, into that's right. I'll Stay give in you, school. I'll give you no malarkey. Stay away from waxing and, and vaping. 
Cowabunga dudes. So I do like how in this scene, like Lady True is um, basically uh, predict- predicting everything that Angel's about to say before she says it. Yeah. Which is also kind of a callback to Dr. Manhattan. You know, he would do that a lot with Laurie. Right. Uh, be like, you know, here's the part where you tell me that you're sleeping with Dan. Absolutely. She's like, you know, I'm sleeping with Dan. And he's like, you're sleeping with Dan. And, you know, with kind of predicting everything that, that's going to happen. And sort of resigned to the idea that it's inevitable anyway. Interesting. A lot of parallels between Lady True and Dr. Manhattan. There's a lot of parallels between everybody and everybody. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, she gets injected with the tutorial mem- memory, I guess we're calling it. A memory? Yeah, the a designer sort of uh, experience thought, in yeah. a needle. Which, uh, yeah. So, so that, because that's she didn't cool. have the, like, the DVD of it. So I mean, they, if you can do that, like, imagine what kinds of crazy recreational drugs you could come up with, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, literally customize whatever experience you want to hallucinate. And you, you could know, basically inject pill. yourself with pure ecstasy. What would you call something like that? A drug that <laughs> you experience ecstasy? Uh, I, well, ecstasy is already taken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EOD done fun. Or like, uh, it, what is it? Um... Oh, I just lost it. Uh, I was thinking of a literary reference. I think it was uh, nine, no, not 1984. I'm bored but, already. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she finds out from the tutorial, which is kind of a, a really watered down sort of remedial, you know, injection. Like it's, you know, calm down. We're just here to flush out the magic medicine you took with, right. with like a, a natural host. With more magic medicine. Yeah. Uh, um, which... Uh, it's it describes it as like flushing the brain with uh, cerebrospinal fluid from mm-hmm. a, a whatever a natural host is. I'm yes. not sure exactly what right what, a what natural host. That. Yeah, it's uh, she's experiencing what they called recollective infestation. Yes. So yeah, I guess when you take someone else's nostalgia, that's what happens. You, you get, get all confused. these pesky foreign memories in here. So I like th- throughout this episode. Um, in contrast to the one before when she's all the Will's memories were in black and white and all of Angela's memories, the ones that are actually hers are in like this really vivid sort of saturated colors, uh, mm. kind of, kind of very opposite from, from, from Will's. Yeah, very much so. So you wonder why, why she would have trouble telling the difference. I mean, you know, yeah, right. Just, just basically, hey, did I what, remember what that color? in black and white or in color? <laughs> that's how you keep it straight right? I, I think that's a pretty but despite that Lady True warns her that uh, seeing her grandfather now would be a bad idea because you know she doesn't she's she's not able to discern the difference between the two of them her identity might be compromised they'd have like a face off where they both think that they're the will they're true Will Reeves <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, then, and then Lady True Lady True's got a gun, gun yeah. both of them. <laughs> only it's very clear who the real one is <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, the cerebral fluid um, from a natural host. I, I took that the first time I watched it to mean it was a natural host is like a, a relative or some selective host that mm-hmm. you know, you share some maybe genetic whatever with. I mean, apparently it's an elephant. To be fair, you do share anyway. some genetics with an elephant. With an elephant? Actually, quite a bit, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get out of here with that heathen talk. Right. <laughs> Evolution and rah, rah, rah. I don't want to hear it here. This is not the podcast for that. Uh, and then we hear twelve hours to the Millennium Clock activation. Yes. So we we have a this whole episode. There's a like a countdown happening, like almost you like know, a as if there clock. isn't a countdown. 
in this whole series. Right. Uh, the, this, the whole TikTok, TikTok down to oblivion. That's right. Those aren't just empty words. TikTok. It means something. We got two episodes left. So God, what happens episodes. at the end of those? It'll probably be kind of boring, actually. We should I, probably just stop. I don't now. think much is going to happen. Yeah. This is the last episode of watching Watchmen. Uh, it's been a fun trip. That is not true. We'll do at least one more. At least one more. And then uh, we cut to well, anything else we want to talk about with that scene. I think we kind of. Um, so uh, I did think it was interesting how Lady True asks Angela which memory it was that knocked her out of bed. She was very curious and about that. Yeah, Angela, and Angela straight up lied. Lied about it. Yes. Yeah. It was. She said it's her 10th birthday and she got a pony. Yeah. And, and it seemed like she was like obviously lying. Like yeah. Lady True isn't buying that. But I think the point she was trying to get at is that it is her memory and not Will's. Uh, and I think that's what she's looking for is the marker of progress in this treatment. Good call. Because later, Beyond kind of asks that same question. Exactly. And she's like, oh, that's progress. That it mm-hmm. was your own memory. Yeah. That's great. You should do a podcast about Watchmen. You've got some good insights. You think I should? I think you should. I'll just call it half a drink in. Yeah. <laughs> just this is Jim Bob's podcast without Joe. <laughs> Drinking alone with Jim Bob. <laughs> That's so a next much sadder uh, podcast. Yeah. Okay. So Cal visits. Yes, he drives up in a in a blue car, wearing a blue shirt, listening to the blues. I think he just likes the color music. blue. Yeah, he just really likes blue. What's no that? real reason. Yeah, I mean it's a good color. It looks good on him. So yeah. Yeah, let's just move on from that. I mean, to be fair, though, I'm not sure that there's much that doesn't look good on that's <laughs> true. Bar. Uh, hologram Beyond. I love that they wheel out that. Uh, yeah, there's got to be. Yeah, it still blows my mind that there isn't like that's the best a way more convenient it. way to do that. Right. But you know what? It is wireless. There's no cables attached to it. Uh, I guess it's battery powered. I don't know. But you have to like lug it out of the you office. You do have to manually roll this. <laughs> it's basically the size of like a sewer lid. Yeah. Yeah. A manhole cover. Manhole. Um, and Beyond basically says that uh, he can't see Angela right now because they're 12 hours to activation and visitors are not allowed. Well, and she's yeah, for, for their own safety. But yeah. she refers, she or she uh, assures Cal that she's uh, Angela's taking to the treatment pretty well. Everything's going great. She'll be right as rain before long. Good enough for me. Uh, Cal drives home happy. Er, yeah, everybody does. It's kind of like condescending toward Cal. Yeah, which is interesting considering he's a he's a walking god. Right, <laughs> but no one knows that. It's, yeah, like, not even him really. I guess Angela and Will. And true, and I guess the seventh cat. A lot of people know that actually. Well, maybe I think it's debatable as to whether or not true knows. So I'm still yeah. I, well. I'm still trying to figure out the whole true seventh cavalry thing because I think during our just a sip, I mentioned how, and this is you know skipping to the end of the episode. True, <sighs> fine. <laughs> well, true mentions like uh, uh sh- sh- it seems like her all her dialogue choices are to drive Angela to go home yep. and to activate Cal as if she knows that mm. he's Dr. Manhattan or whatever. Right. Um, which would also suggest that with the seventh cavalry we're waiting outside that, you know, true is working with the seventh cavalry, you know, Angela just needs, uh, she just needs Angela to activate Dr. Manhattan so that they can capture him and do the whole plan or whatever. But then I'm like, well, will did kill 
Judd Crawford, Crawford, who was in the Kinda. Seventh Cavalry. I mean, Judd killed himself. We could we could make an argument that it was suicide. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Will Will killed. Go ahead. Um. But uh, yeah. So so that that's that's really the part that's got me hung up because if they're on the same side, why would he have killed Judd Crawford? So that you know, th- then I'm thinking. How does that all make sense with them not being on the same side, right? Like, so what is what do all of Lady True's um, ideas and, and and dialogue mean if she wasn't trying to push Angela to, you know, furthering yeah. the Seven K's plan? She certainly uh, presents herself as a villain. She's very. I mean, who doesn't looking. in this show? Uh, Cal. Cal seems That's like a fair. nice guy. He's he's pretty mild mannered. Pretty yeah. I guess Cal's about it. Looking Glass. You could go either way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Looking Glass is probably like overall kind of cool, but probably has is one of those people with some weird ideas. Around. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where were we? Uh, Cal so, drives up. Yeah, after, and, uh, basically, that was the end of that. After that conversation, he just asks, where's Lori Blake? Yeah. Yeah, where's Lori Blake? And that was when we transitioned to where she is. Yes, not at all an awkwardly shoehorned segue. Not at all. Into Lori Blake waiting outside uh, Janie Crawford's house. Playing the audio recording of Angela on her uh, nostalgia trip. Yes. Talking about Cyclops. And you can hang yourself now. That's right. And the whole Hooded Justice thing. All the secrets are out. And then Jane rides up on a... White horse. Yes. But before we get uh, Petey calling oh, yes. in from, from Looking Glass's place. Uh, and, and so, the, you know, it, it, this is this scene seems like just like, uh, you know, we get a little bit more of that um, cleverly disguised exposition where, <laughs> yeah. where he's, uh, you know, asking Lori, like, remember how you told me to do this, this and this? And she's like, yes, because I said all that As verbatim. I said that verbatim. Yep. I love that. Um. But yeah, it, it seems like this is just like some setup for what's going on with with Looking Glass. He, he apparently survived the Seventh Cavalry attack on his home. Uh, possibly has, probably I should say, has one of their masks. Yep. And might be laying low among the Seventh Cavalry. Ooh. Should be pretty easy for a guy like him, you know. Right. He, he's he's white. Do you think he likes wearing a mask? He's from the South. He's is he comfortable. He's very used to wearing. Do you think he's got mask. his Looking Glass mask underneath? See that would he show through holes. the eye. Maybe holes. he cut eyeballs <laughs> and the reflectum. Reflectum. I think reflectatine. Reflectatine. Yes. My apologies. Uh, yes. You. So yeah, we we see Looking Glass's bunker, and one of the seventh the deceased seventh cavalry members is missing a mask. Yeah. So we can assume that Looking Glass probably took that mask and is now infiltrating the seventh cavalry. <laughs> he knows where their hideout is. That's true. He it's, has one of their masks. It's a mall. Right. J.C. Penney's. Where everybody hang, every shady character hangs out. At uh, and uh, she asks why he wouldn't tell anybody. And I think the answer is because he doesn't know how deep this conspiracy goes, right? Oh, totally. It's, he knows it seems vast Joe and insidious. Yeah, it's very vast and insidious. Yeah. So, yeah, knowing that Joe Keene is, is in it, as soon as he reports anything, like he'll just, you know, get Jeffrey Epstein or something and there'll be no more looking glass. Um, and then Dale Petey says, should I report this? And or should I call it in? And she tells him, no. Take some agency, Petey. Come on. Uh, Lori tells him that she'll just uh, meet up with him after she's done with this this quick thing. 
barring any unforeseen trap doors. <laughs> if I don't meet up with you, I've probably been dropped into a trap door and taken to an abandoned mall. But anyway, so yeah, uh, Lori just kind of abandons her walkie-talkie and uh, greets Jane, who's riding her white horse. And they go into, you know, Jane's house to have a little chat. Mm-hmm. Where Lori um, really, I think, kind of overplays her hand a bit. Yeah. Which is kind of uncharacteristic of her. You know, she's usually the kind of one, the, the one like asking the questions and. She usually seems like she's more in control. Yeah, here, but here she just kind of lays everything right out on the table for Jane, who is just sitting there quietly, like, figuring out what Lori knows. Right. Um, until she's like, okay, well, you pretty much got it. So I'm going to go ahead and use this cheap Wilson remote control to try and get my poorly installed trap door to work. Those trap, they never work when you need them to. You know what? I'm, if, what if she has a trap door like under each piece of furniture in that room? She pushes the wrong one. Might have hit the wrong button. Like that's, that, that's kind of a real concern because she didn't know what chair Lori was going to sit in. In the kitchen, uh, some door just opens up and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oops, wrong button. Yeah, I like the, the Wilson brand. What is that? Is that a brand for electronic? Equipment. The, they, I know it's a they deal volleyball. especially in, in trap doors. Trap doors specifically. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. They they they're the only player in the trap door game. The, they I mean they're kind of at least the biggest. Yeah. yeah. The mom and pop trap door places don't stand a chance. For all of your trap door needs. Uh she uh, basically confesses that yeah, that was the original plan was for presidency, but they realized uh, that was two small potatoes. Mm-hmm. I do like this line she gives, you know, uh, about when when Lori's talking about how uh, Hooded Justice mm. was actually a black guy because, you know, a white guy or, yeah, a black vigilante would have been just, you know, killed or or, or what have you. Um, and Jane's response is, you know, thank God times have changed. And like that sort of typically like. Uh, racist denying the existence of racism sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the Emancipation Proclamation was a long time ago. Racism is over. Right. Uh, there aren't any slaves anymore. So yeah, what, right. what are you what are you worried about? Yeah. Um, which is kind of a theme, I think, pops up with a lot of these characters in the show, uh, especially the ones associated with the 7th Cavalry. Like poor Joe Keen. And Judd Crawford. Yeah. The white man who just can't catch a break. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so hard for a. A white man to be who's also a senator. <laughs> um, he talks about Cyclops and Lori suggests that uh, Cyclops and 7th K are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so why why do we think that Cyclops would rebrand as 7th Cavalry? Do you think it's as a result of Will foiling their plan way back when? Is that when Cyclops ended? That's uh, I, I think that's part of it. Um as for well why they might have rebranded i think um the release of rorschach's journal might have been part of it Mm. um because you know once that comes out then it's like oh now we have this new icon that we can associate ourselves with and uh sort of as they they shift gears i assume that they're not doing the same plan you know they're not doing uh mind control movies like the the seventh k was back or yeah it seems like their plan now is to create a new uh, superhuman. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think like when, when the plan changes and they get this new context of Rorschach's journal, they're like, okay, so let's, let's be the seventh cavalry 
after you know Custer's last stand. We're not doing the Cyclops thing anymore, guys. <laughs> We've got a new mission. Everybody's on to that anyway. The OK symbol on the head, like it's a little obvious. Right, right. But you guys get to wear these cool masks. Indeed. And and so their leader, Joe Keen, uh, also then gets, you know, all the police to wear masks as well to just kind of have a mask on mask. Blur the line of who who the good guys and who the bad Indeed. guys are. And so Jane mentioned, like, when, when Lori lays out what their plan is, that the, the plan is to take the presidency, basically. Mm. And Jane is like, the, you know, the presidency is small potatoes. She mentions that something extraordinary happened. Yeah. That that's what changed the plan. So that, I think. Dr. I, Manhattan, the that. Do you think that was the shift? Maybe that was the shift. Maybe they realized that superhuman powers were a thing. Well, it seems to me like the the plan was that that uh, Angela's referring to, or that that Laurie was referring to. Sorry, to for Joe Keen to become president was formulated well after Doctor Manhattan's been on the scene. Fair point. But something happened. Something we don't know about. The, yeah. The Russians, we know the Russians are working on something. Sure, Maybe we've got the Russians some Russian. are always working on something. That's true. I think it might have something to do with whatever fell from space onto the Clark's farm. Mm. Um, That's awfully recent. Probably pretty recent. But it I does think. have, I feel like it has to have something to do with Dr. Manhattan. Like there's some kind of discovery where they're like, oh, hey. Maybe they figured out Dr. Manhattan is hiding Okay, I think that's what it is. Yeah. So uh, it, whatever whatever it was that happened, they figured something out that he's not on Mars. He's hiding, and that it's possible Tulsa. to contain and destroy and replicate him. Mm. Uh, wh- whatever it was that happened sort of revealed all this to them, and so that's when they're like, "Oh, we should do that now. Like yeah. we could be a Doctor Manhattan." The fact that the Seventh Cavalry has a ton of true equipment mm-hmm. does not. It's not a good look for true. Right. Um, and so it also, you know, reinforces that question I have. Like, are they in league with Lady True or are they opposed to Lady True? I, yeah, It's hard to say. And you can't really take anything Lady True says at face value because, no. you know, she's probably just lying. But then there's Will who has allied himself with True and whose sole purpose seems to be to take down Cyclops slash. Yeah, like he Calvary. did. He did actually kill Judd Crawford, whom we know is linked to right. seventh cavalry. So like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, I guess now the big thing, like we've got seven K figured out. I d- I need to figure out what lady true's lady whole, true whole situation and is. why, uh, why they decided Judd Crawford needed to go. I guess that was just to kind of spark the, the whole chain of events, perhaps kind of like how the comedian getting killed, sparked the whole chain of events in the graphic novel. Yeah. Or, or at least, you know, sparked the, the investigation. And J- Joe Keane did say uh, that Jane was hesitant sending Lori to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but he decided uh, that it was still a good idea. And it's, I, I think he might be doing it just because, like, given, their, given her history with Dr. Manhattan, it's yeah. like a huge, uh, it, it seems very appropriate to like have her there to witness this, this event, like the destruction of her former lover and yeah. Uh, you know, God boyfriend. Yeah. They mentioned that there's a, a cage uh, when she's talking about, uh, you know, I don't care about any of this. If you want me to ask what the cage is for, mm-hmm. just know that I don't give a shit. I think she said, basically I'm yeah. paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. So what is the cage for? Do you think that cage is uh, for Dr. Manhattan? Do you think they expect him to, 
show up. I mean, Lady, using Lori as bait. Lady True says that the seventh K plans to capture or trap Doctor Manhattan. Trap him, kill him. So as if then, like the cage maybe somehow can contain, like stop him from teleporting. They'd have to have some sort of a tachyon field. The, I mean, tachyons would have to be a part of it. I would think they might even get some new elementary particle that blocks his other powers. I don't know. Doctor Manhattanite. There you Probably. go. Uh, yeah, that's what I would call it. What else? Uh, so why why do we think Lori went in there with no backup? That seemed pretty reckless of her. Well, that's pretty Lori, though. Yeah. I mean, she went to Tulsa just choosing Petey, just which, choosing which leads Petey. me to think that, like, Petey is going to be our, like, sleeper Lube plot man? resolution that, like... Whatever that whatever he's doing, he's like gets bored hanging out at Looking Glass's place, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, screw it, I'll figure this out myself." And he winds up like saving Lori or something from whatever nefarious machinations are going on. How funny would it be if we never get any more Lube Man? That was the one and only. That'd be terrible. <laughs> be terrible, but man, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's such a crazy thing to introduce. Very random, and then yes. never acknowledge it at all. Um. Also, June, immediately after the trap door, uh, calls, I assume, Senator Keene, mm-hmm. says, uh, Blake's here. Do you want me to kill her? Mm-hmm. How many people do you think she's killed? I mean, probably not too many because that trap door did not look like it was, you know, up to code. Or, or perhaps it's been used so many times it's wearing out and it needs new ball bearings. I feel like if it had been used a lot of times, she would know how to use it a little better like the, or that. She, she pushed the button. She knew how to operate it. It was the it was a malfunction in the I suppose. branded. But like, never buy Wilson branded uh, trap doors. A malfunction like that doesn't just Get happen spalding. at once, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then the other. Yeah, why did why did they have Judd killed? Uh, it's a big question. So I mean, uh, I think uh, I mean the, I think the simplest answer is. That uh, Will knew that he was Seventh Cavalry, probably using his his psychic mind reading powers. So, do you think that was unplanned? The Seventh Cavalry did not anticipate that Judd's death. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. But I don't know. June just seems so evil and so okay with him being gone. It's almost like it was part of their plan. It is true. She does. She the whole time that he's been dead, she has been uh, surprisingly cool about it. Yeah. So, hmm. Hmm. Uh, the only other question I have is, how many trap doors do they have in the Crawford house? Right, they got, like, their secret closet for your clan robe. Do you think she has a button for releasing the hounds? Releasing the bees? The bees? <laughs> the hounds with bees in their mouths, so when they bark, they shoot bees at you? Yes, they have those. Uh, next scene. We've got Angela with Beyond. Yes. Yeah, so Beyond comes into Angela's room and gives her her little uh, her little test for her dissertation. Her dissertation. Yeah. She's a genius, Which just is, like her mother. Yeah. Sort of reminiscent of a Rorschach test. Um, also like the the Voigtkampf empathy test. And she mentions that it's, you know, on the. For, ad- for everyone not familiar with the Voigtkampf empathy test i'm familiar but for our listeners at, at home <laughs> so yeah that's from uh philip k dicks to androids dream of electric sheep which was then adapted to the movie blade runner uh there are replicants ru- like androids running around uh hiding amidst uh 
society. There are? Yes. In our society. In in this book, in the movie. Okay. um, In that world. It's like a post-apocalyptic sort of future. And they have a... uh, Oh, it looks like we're going to be two drinks in. They have this... um, uh, people who hunt the the androids have this test where they arrest somebody they suspect of being an android and ask them these questions. Um, Are you an android? Basically testing them for empathy responses because the theory is that androids are devoid of empathy. Interesting. Um, the book uh, slash movie, of course, leaves that uh, a pretty pretty open question as to whether or not they do and what the, the true nature of empathy really is. And so I think it's it's also kind of interesting how as Beyond is administering this test to Angela, it's like superficially about what's on the cards. You know, she shows her these cards, asks her like a confusing question and then like questions Angela's response every time. Right. Um, and we see there are all these little shots of Angela in between these questions looking like she's getting frustrated, getting angry, but she suppresses that anger. And so when Beyond mentions that, you know, it's uh, she's studying the role of rage suppression in social cohesion. She's like really testing Angela's Dead rage suppression in a social situation. Beautiful. Yeah, that is totally Angela. She suppresses a lot of rage. That is totally everyone, really. Everyone who especially who knows trauma, especially uh, Hooded Justice and Angela. They mm-hmm. seem to really harp on that. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, like ties into a lot of, you know, we have the show about, you know, race and, you know, racial trauma and anger. Um, like, how could you not be angry, you know, having experienced something like the the uh, Black Wall Street massacre, you know? Yeah. So I guess the suggestion is that all these people carrying around these feelings have to kind of suppress them for the sake of keeping society together. Um, you know, people suppress their anger for the sake of keeping everything running yeah but then how healthy is that and skipping ahead a little bit but in true speech he talks about how people were so focused on the the bad events in their life they're so burdened with their trauma they can't move on Mm -hmm. and experience transform and become something so perhaps this is all tied into true's ultimate plan with the millennium clock and yeah, so you H- know, you, you hear uh, for all. I've seen a lot of uh, mentions online about theories about like, is is True's plan going to be like an empathy bomb? You know, yeah, right. Force everybody to experience all these traumatic memories so that they can, you know, understand each other. I guess better. Yeah, but I think it's still a little too too early to tell um, what exactly the Millennium Clock might do. Do you think we'll find out in one or two more episodes? Uh, yes, because that's all that we have left. <laughs> uh, I think we'll find out in the finale, but you know, it'll be like, True's going to have her moment where she's like, I triggered it 35 minutes ago. I think they need to do this. <laughs> Something like that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, whatever the repercussions of the clock done. are, we'll, we'll be able to see that pretty clearly. And it's happening soon. Like by the end of this episode, uh, she mentions that the seventh cavalry was an hour away, an hour away. And which also seemed to coincide with the countdown towards the activation of the clock. Yeah. So, you know, that's another sort of clue that they might be in league is that their plans are like synced up time wise. 
but it yeah. also might work if they're working against each other because Lady, Lady True would act could really go either way in response. Yeah, it really does. Because, really could, yeah, yeah, she could be working against them or she could just be doing that villainous thing where she's revealing her plan to Angela, you know, talking about how they're going to kill Dr. Manhattan and steal his powers. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what she's going to do. Maybe it's just a race to become the next Dr. Manhattan. I think uh, I think we're going to see Bubastis before the series is over. God, I hope so. Me too. That's going to be the big uh, reveal at the end of the season. Anything else we want to talk about with the Beyond scene? Oh, man. So, well, there's Beyond asking about... Uh, Why? Uh, is it hard lying to your... Yeah, she starts going down that or like really pushing Angela's buttons, like yeah. buttons she knows that are there. Um and, and and it it kind of it almost seems like that line of questioning is what pushes Angela into her next memory flashback. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, as soon as she starts mentioning that, Angela uh, remembers her badge from when she was a kid, and then she remembers Will Will Reeves' badge yeah. and Bass Reeves' badge, and all these things start like flooding back. And then Beyond's like Detective Abar, like her voice gets all echoey, yeah, and it's like, right. oh, Detective Abar, are you having a flashback? You're having a flashback. <laughs> You know, that sort of thing. Uh Um, And so then, yeah, the next scene transitions into uh, her flashback. Flashback to Saigon. To being a child labor force. Basically. Yeah. In the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Making little wooden Dr. Manhattan toys. I wish we could have gotten her singing It's a Hard Knock Life (laughs) Vietnamese. That would have been amazing. Uh, She's making some nesting dolls of Dr. Manhattan. Mm Mm-hmm. So a nesting doll. Are you familiar with this? I've heard of this. Uh, Matryoshka dolls. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those. Uh, they can fit, you know, they, they fit inside of uh, all the other, like smaller ones go mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Uh, it's a little uh, foreshadowing, I guess, of Dr. Manhattan hiding inside, nested inside, nested inside another inside person. Of someone else. Sort of like an egg. An egg. Oh, my gosh. It's all coming. It's all coming together. Full folks. circle. Uh and then we get some police officers coming by to uh, talk to Angela to ID a suspect. Yeah. And our, our grumpy orphanage, uh, what, what would you call her? Head mistress or, or whatever? The- sure. Head bitch. Uh, <laughs> like, why is that such a thing? Why is that? Can nobody who runs an orphanage just be a pleasant person? Well, you obviously don't have kids, Jimmy. That's fair. They, they drive you to uh, insanity. That's fair. I can't imagine. Like, I can handle my own kids, but someone else's kids? If I had to watch 20 kids that aren't Who biologically related parents, to me, yeah. I would probably turn into that as well. Have them all painting dolls. Yeah. Uh, just try walking a, a mile in her shoes and we'll see <laughs> how you handle it. Uh, yeah, so Angela gets called out of uh, child labor camp to... Look by, at the suspect. Officer Jen and Officer Roy. Jen and Roy. Yeah. V- very American sounding names for they are very, very American Vietnamese names. police. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Angela, <clears throat> they, they basically say, uh, it's okay, don't be scared. And she's like, I'm not scared. She's yeah. Angela is just a uh, little kid, Angela, just suppressing all of these emotions. Or, and, or, you know, just processing things, you know. Differently, you know, than you might expect. Maybe that's why Dr. Manhattan was so attracted to her. <laughs> so emotionless. I, I, I do want to say, I don't remember her 
showing any emotions at all. Like when her parents got exploded, I don't think we saw her shed a tear. Well, I think there was uh, this second of realization before the bomb went off where she's just like, like she sees that guy ride the bike over there and then it goes off and you just see her face right before the explosion knocks her over. We don't really get to see what her like response really is to that other than that, you know, brief flash there. Fair. But I mean, but later uh, when June dies, it seemed like she was just also no, no real tears were shed. Well, in Ju- in that case, uh, I feel like it's not almost, a whole lot of an attachment to June. Well, and, and also like th- this is kind of the pattern for her now, right? Like her parents died. Her grandma comes in. She She's kind of used to the idea of not being used to having a family. Kind of goes back to her uh, her talk with Topher. When she says that you and I both know that the world's not all sunshine and rainbows. Uh-huh. Uh, and what did he say? My parents were cops and cops die. Yeah. Just a very dark outlook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she IDs the suspect. Uh, she's very sure that it's him. Do you think it was the scar that gave him away? Uh, I mean. <laughs> it would be great if he if he had the puppet Dr. Manhattan and he's just doing his little routine. She's like, oh, now I recognize Yeah, that's him. him. Yeah, that's him. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, she just kind of, without even batting an eye, she's like, that's him. And she's like, you know, can I stay and listen? And that's when she earned her badge. Yeah, so the, the officer Jen at that point just kind of gives her this like tiny little smile and is like, you're clearly a monster. You know, you've got what it takes to be a cop. Like hands her the badge as if, you know, that kind of uh, trauma or that res- that that resilience in the face of like violence and whatnot yeah. is one of the essential ingredients to being a cop. That's what it takes. Which is, you know, kind of a an interesting, uh, maybe not the expected. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, not a typical portrayal. I don't think. You know, of the if, path to becoming a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, you know, most people become a cop because they, you know, want to promote justice. Sure. Or, like, the idea is that you want to promote justice and do do good. But then you see this kid who wants to listen to a man get shot. Sure. Um, and it's, in a way, it's a form of justice, though. It's it, just a very violent. It is. But, like, it's it's definitely more on the side of vengeance than just like the like Angela wants to listen because there she's has sure. an emotional investment in this guy's death. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of a dark thing. And this dark thing is what prompts the, the cop to to give her the badge. She recognizes it early on and says, You yeah. need to be a police You've officer. You've got your 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 you got, you got your dark kid. passenger passengers thing. You you got you're like a Bruce Wayne. Your metachlorians are off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so she, they, they, instead of taking him back to uh, prison or wherever, they just take him to the back of the orphanage and shoot him. Right. As they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Following so, protocol. Uh-huh. The, so, yeah, the the justice system, as we've seen, is, is definitely a bit uh, more loosey-goosey with the rules. It was that, a little reminiscent of the uh, Tulsa, though, because uh-huh. the, the, the guy in the backseat's got the bag over his head, right? Mm-hmm. I think they did that. Uh, the, with Absolutely. the 7th Cavalry members. Yeah, they just round the them all bags up. Over their heads, bring them into the pod. No due process or anything. Right. Let's just figure this out and get rid of the ones who, who don't fit. Jen um, was right. Uh, Angela is perfect for this job. She was born. <laughs> Pretty much. To do it. And yeah, so then we cut 
we, or we have a bunch of flashes of Will's memories too. And, you know, June telling her that, you know, you're not going to get justice with a badge, but yep. with the hood. So, you know, we know that Angela has both the badge and the hood. Um, and so, yeah, uh, quite literally, that's how she pursues justice. And, uh, cut back to, uh, the transition of, uh, Angela's eyes to mm-hmm. the stained glass windows and, we're in a courtroom. I believe it's on Europa, if I'm not mistaken. It's certainly in a fancy mansion. Certainly. Uh, the Lord of the Manor is on trial, the 365th day of trial. Yes, this clearly kangaroo court situation where everybody's against Ozzy and he doesn't even try to defend himself. I would like to know what they discussed in the other 364 days. Yeah. They, they had some drawings. They had the drawing of the squid. I do love the, like the stenographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. And the, 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 what do you call it? The artist drawing Ozymandias. Right. Sitting there in his, his full costume. So did he get, did he wear his outfit every day at this day. trial? I guess he's just living in that outfit now. I mean, if you got the costume, might as well get some mileage out of it, right? He seems to really enjoy wearing it. I, I can't blame him. It's pretty sharp. Yeah. He, he really rocks the purple. So, yeah, the game warden. And the game warden's pretty interesting to me. Like, because he, he's one of these clones just like all the others. But Looks he, like them anyway. Well, except that he wears a mask. He does. Which is kind of... Uh, you know, most, so like on earth, people wear the mask to hide their identity. Mm. It seems like among, on Europa, among the clones, everybody looks exactly the same. So wearing a mask gives you an identity instead of, you know, hiding it. Uh, are you suggesting that any old Mr. Phillips could just put on a mask and pretend to be the game warden? No, I'm saying that the game warden wears the mask to distinguish himself from all the other. No, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, uh. In theory, uh, a Mr. Phillips could put on the mask and essentially... He'd have to grow a mustache. That's true. And that could take weeks, probably. <laughs> if it's even possible. I mean, you put... Or just in, put him in the microwave. In that microwave, <laughs> their hair grows, but he doesn't have any facial hair when he came out. That would be great. Um, yeah. So we get the trial and we, we find out that there's really only one golden rule and that is thou shalt not leave and it's in spite of that it's pretty interesting that uh the prosecutor crookshanks um makes a makes a point to bring up like all of these things ozymandias has done that are kind of irrelevant to what the trial on ha- at hand is you know that she brings up the squid and killing you know three million people and how he hasn't apologized for that yeah and how he kills them or whatever yeah but it seems like those are all things that he's not really being judged for like that. Like he has the it, it's almost understood like he has the right to kill the servants if he wants to. He just can't leave. No one seemed to mind. But she still yeah. feels the need to bring that up like super passionately as if she's like going through the motions of an accusatory. Well, so, yeah, basically the fact that he's leaving uh-huh. is. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden it's bad. Yeah. It's yeah. like they didn't mind until they realized that it was for that purpose. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which, which is really interesting to me. It is very interesting. Um, and I also th- felt like this whole scene kind of reminds me of, uh, so like one of the last things he says in the books is he, he asks John uh, if, if what he did is the right thing in the end. Um, and John doesn't really give him an answer. He says nothing ever ends and then disappears. Yeah. So Ozzy might be at this point kind of obsessed with trying to figure out whether or not uh, the, the whole squid drop thing that he did is the right thing to do, whether yeah. or not he saved the world or made it worse or, or what have you. And so I think 
when he's in this trial and everybody's calling him guilty, like that's kind of why he sheds that tear. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's sort of pointing the finger. Like he's, he's, he, he feels himself, he's forcing himself to feel guilty about having killed all those people. Yeah. Um, because he's not sure whether or not that's really the right thing to do. Yeah. I think it's a fair question. Cause we're also questioning, uh, whether or not his plan was effective. I'd have done it. Totally. <laughs> Kill millions, save billions. It's just New York anyway. That'd be fine. Uh, how, how big was the ra- radius, though? Because the psychic wave was outside of New York, at least Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah. And so apparently sensitive psychic people would have felt it around the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the psychic blast radius at least, you know, extended into most of that sort of New England area. I'm not sure exactly how far it was, but I, I do want to point out that uh, after the Crookshanks uh, was doing her whole whatever spiel. Mm-hmm. After she's done, she kind of winks at Ozymandias. Yeah. She winks with the, the wrong eye. Normally when you wink, you wink with the eye not facing the, you know, the judge. That's she true. winked with the eye facing the judge. Yeah, so the left eye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just adds confusion to what, what um, to make of that. Yeah, and you know, like, there's a lot of confusion here because they're accusing him of all these crimes, but they all still refer to him as master. Yeah. Um, they also say uh, before he came to us, it implies that they, they existed there before Ozymandias showed up. That's possible. There was a whole, you know, whatever this world is. Yeah. They were living and they were fine. Just and then Ozymandias showed Crookshanks up. Doing things. Just doing anything except escaping. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Um, Cause in, in a lot of ways it does seem like this place was designed for him. Like that's what I thought. But then when, when she said that before he came to us, that told me that this was in existence prior to his arrival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's certainly confusing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you notice the, the game warden's desk or the bench that he's adjudicating from is the chamber Yes. That, it, it, that Mr. Phillips was burned in, yes. in in the uh second episode. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, I only that was yeah. great. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's nice any little significance touch. to that, but it was it was nice. It's I like just the like repurposing. Yeah, the kind of like the stage the, that, yeah, using the his crime, you know, uh insofar as it is a crime to to burn alive one of these creatures mm-hmm. um as sort of the the foundation of his trial, his his punishment. So then the, uh, the game warden, uh, says that, uh, Ozymandias is not worthy of, of this jury. So he's going to get a different jury, more, uh, appropriate. And it's a bunch of pigs. Yes. And I'm sure he felt very proud of that joke. I think he was. (laughs) And then he lifts the pig up and, uh, asks what the verdict is and it squeals. And he somehow interprets that to mean guilty. Are we to assume that he speaks pig? I, you know, <sighs> is that one of the abilities of the, the it, game warden? It's possible. How I many mean, languages does he speak? Well, like I said, he comes preloaded with this like software, right? Right. So it could be pig and minesweeper and, uh, you know, making a honeycomb cake that tastes bad. It tastes like the bee's knees. But still not quite understanding the purpose of a horseshoe. Not yet. Uh, and then we transition uh, Ozymandias' tear uh, on his face, and then we see the the golden statue mm-hmm. in Trues Bavarium. Yes. And then a little butterfly mm-hmm. flies by. Very much like uh, in the comic book, yes. There's a, a butterfly in the Bavarium 
ah, right nice. before it opens and is uh, he, he kills his servants by exposing them to Antarctica. Fantastic. Indeed. Uh, so there is a theory floating around that uh, Ozymandias is actually contained inside this golden statue that he's in some sort of a, a suspended animation yeah. or something. Um, and the, the butterfly flying by a butterfly emerging from a cocoon mm-hmm. sort of uh, supports that theory. Possibly. I, I'm not still, I'm not so sure I buy that. I think it's just one of those theories that's like so out there that it might be true, but almost also like s- Cal being Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> See that one did have a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of foreshadowing. This one, I feel like it might have some foreshadowing, but it might also be misleading. Yeah. Because that's the say. thing. That's the thing about foreshadowing is before you see the thing that's being foreshadowed, you don't know what was foreshadowing and what wasn't. You know, you don't know. Hindsight sees 2020. You don't. Exactly. You right. don't know all the ingredients until you see the final product. Yeah. Right. So uh, it is interesting, though. Um, I guess I can get into it later at the end. But I, it goes into my theory. Go ahead. We're all we're just crazy on so this we, podcast. So we've got the theory. uh that Ozymandias may be uh, Lady True's father. Yeah. I think I expressed this in the previous uh, Just a Sip, but you I'll go ahead and love that to be true, repeat it. You? Uh, there, there is a lot of evidence to support this. I think there is there is some evidence, yeah. Um, and the, the fact that some object falling from space was very important to True, and that's why she bought the Clark farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's entirely possible that she retrieved a, a golden encased Ozymandias, <laughs> and that's how he has arrived. So you're saying he encased himself in gold. Not necessarily himself. I don't, you know, there, there's some still questions. Right. Obviously. Do you think that the clones like froze him in carbonite? It's then, possible. Like Dan Dryberg, like flew space Archie to Europa to, to rescue him after he saw his message. I don't. Well, so, so the save me D uh-huh. could be save me daughter. Ah, mm. Mm. or it could be Dale Petey. <laughs> I think Lube Man is the key to all of this. Th- Does Lube Man have many powers in space? Uh, I, I think mean, you could probably use There's Lube already, Man. you're in like a frictionless environment with no atmosphere, so you don't even need Lube, right? But what happens when you introduce Lube into a frictionless environment? Nothing. It just floats there. Perhaps. <laughs> or perhaps. You, become, you travel through time. It, you know, it's 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 a theory there. I'm still, we're all missing some pieces here, but, uh, there are, there are a lot of hints that true and Ozzy are related Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, just interesting. The thing is though, like a lot of those hints, she says that her father is coming. That's true. Um, but what if her father is Dr. Manhattan? I I knew you were getting on this. That's why I was bringing up the parallels between true and Manhattan. Right. So I, 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 I could see that. Yeah, exactly. After watching See, there, it multiple times, it seemed like there were a lot foreshadowing of foreshadowing for either one. 100%, 100%. So you don't know which one's going to be the foreshadowing until it happens. You don't know. Uh, it does beg the question, though. Well, you know, I, I might actually we're, we're going to go off uh, topic here for a little bit. Uh, Let's get into the woods. Going, now that we've established that Cal is, in fact, Dr. Manhattan, we remember the flashback to the, the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Cal is anxiously awaiting some sort of a, a present mm-hmm. that he's going to find out. Yeah. And we kind of we speculated that maybe yeah. it was baby stuff pregnant. Uh-huh. So maybe it is possible that Dr. Manhattan is capable of reproducing. Yeah. Maybe she was pregnant, but the seventh cavalry shot her in the abdomen and right in the baby, killed the baby. And now she can't carry babies. And that's why she adopted. But so, so perhaps, yeah, Dr. Manhattan is capable of having children. 
So it is Lady True. I don't know. I mean, that would imply that he uh, had relations with her mother in Vietnam. He was Which is Vietnam. also possible. Like maybe he's like, uh, you know, so the comedian was doing it. He's like, hey, Everybody's maybe I'll doing try it. that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't want to keep him, you can just shoot him. It begs the question of what uh, yeah, it gets in the logistics of Dr. Manhattan having sex. It's a, it's a big. Is it because we've seen him do it in the comic book? We know that he's pleased. He, does, he gives a, a one man gangbang. He to certainly Lori. knows how to please a Lori. But does that? We don't know that he actually, you know, the traditional. If it would work. Sex of. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he. Uh, I think there's no reason to assume that it wouldn't. It seems like, you know, he, he created this this body that can perform all the other functions sure. of a human body. Sure. Why wouldn't he be able to functionally reproduce? You know, like he, he, he's he got control over matter. You know, why would he be? He could probably control his own level of impot- or of, of potent yeah. or of, of virility, basically. Would you inherit some uh, powers in that case? So that's that's a trickier question, because sure. like the powers he has aren't like DNA. You know, it's not like he's a he's an, a mutant from X-Men. He, he was he's physically fundamentally changed, like down to the quarks, yep. you know, so uh, to the quartz quarks, Quirk, quarks, yes. quarks, yes, quarks, yes. The, the parts of uh, of subatomic particles and, and what the Dr. Manhattan was talking about. Yeah. So um, his favorite his favorite little things. Um, so I guess like. You have to wonder, like, how heredity would work with with a change like that, you know? What kind of trauma would that pass on to your progeny? You know, it's that, that's also kind of interesting because with Dr. Manhattan having, you know, the knowledge of both past and future, he kind of has the whole spectrum of trauma with him all the time. Yeah. In a way, you know, so in this this show that's all about, you know, experiencing the past kind of in a circuitous way and inheriting trauma through all these different, you know, pressures. Mm -hmm. Dr. Manhattan is kind of a weird kink in that formula because, you know, he, he, he kind of perpetuates trauma and is also like, he's, he says himself, he's the puppet who can see the strings. He has really no ability to change his own uh, actions or outcomes for the most, or, you know, for the most part, but, uh, you just kind of, man, I, <laughs> you can't really talk about Dr. Manhattan without sound, starting to sound kind of rambly after a while. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of these theories. It's that a whole going different. It's a, he, he's a, just a whole different take on experiencing anything. Yeah. Being this simultaneous godlike being, you know. So, yeah, it's it's possible, I guess, as far as we know, that he is able to. Reproduce. Yeah. Long story short, we don't know if he can reproduce or not. I uh, probably can. I did notice that there were some hints that Dr. Manhattan may be the father. Yeah. Yeah. So time will tell. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think Ozzy and you Dr. Put Manhattan some money tops. on it or something. Should we should we put some stakes on this? This little situation. Some stakes. Yeah. Put them on the So like grill. if it turns out that. Uh, Mm. That Ozymandias, a little is wager, Lady a gentleman's father. wager. Yeah. Yep. Then what? Oh man. Um, I guess we'll have to think about that. Let's let's give it some thought. 
our, we'll our episodes right now, man. We should put it down so that next episode, when we find out the truth, possibly. Oh, that's a good point. We'd have to be like, aha, now you owe me a steak. So the question, steak dinner. Or what, what's the, the wager? Is it uh, between Ozzy and Dr. Manhattan? Yes. And then your team, if your it's, team Dr. Manhattan. If it's a third party, then, you know, I guess we have. The neither of us wins. Been floated out there, but I really don't see that happening because she said he's coming. I agree. So that tells me. I, I mean, yeah, she could clone him theoretically, but I I don't think they'd introduce that in no, the last few episodes. I don't think so. So we do know that Doctor Manhattan has been kind of in hiding this whole time, and Ozzy's been here the whole time. So either of them are great candidates. Yes, probably the best candidates. Ozzy uh, makes a lot of sense. Because she's also very similar to him. Mm-hmm. She's got his genius level intellect. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, I don't know if he had trillions, but she's certainly got, they, they both got a lot of both money. Both come from money. Yes. A lot of money. Um, yeah. I guess I'm going to be Team Ozzy. You can be Team John. Okay. Uh, listeners at home, what do you what do you think? Who Who is Lady True's father? Should we put a poll on Twitter? Just be like. Which do you think is more likely to be Lady True's father, Ozymandias or Dr. Manhattan? We could be the first people in the world to do that poll. Uh, could be. Uh, possibly. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to do it. What else? Uh, where, where were we? We went so off topic. You know what? On topic, but off topic at the same time. It's all the same topic. So basically the next scene we're at is where... um. After the Ozzy scene, we're back at uh, Lady True's place. Yes, where she's giving her TED talk. And yeah, yeah, she's giving her talk about uh, the the activation of the clock. And Angela takes this opportunity to follow the hose down to the the next room. Yes. Um, we do find. No, no, no. This is before the TED talk. Uh, uh, yeah, did I jump ahead? Yeah, big, yeah, this is where, yeah, right. yeah, the first time she tries to open the room and it turns red because she doesn't have the right yes, fingerprints. You're right. Yep. Lady True's like, hey, you hungry? Like, you hungry? Doesn't even acknowledge that she's trying to break into the other room. She's just like, hey. Well, like, it doesn't matter. The door's locked. So. Yeah, right. Little does she know, a simple rock. <laughs> <laughs> the one flaw in her design. So, yes, they, they go to this nice scene where they're enjoying a nice feast in the vivarium. Mm-hmm. And uh, she reveals that she's got a secret plan to save humanity. Yes. And Angela is not. It begins in Tulsa. She's a little skeptical of this. Yeah. So Angela says, um, I can't tell if you're joking, which is a callback to a line from the comic book where uh, Ozymandias can't tell if the comedian's joking. Mm. Um, and so Lady True says, of course you can. Just like you, you, you know, like Lady True knows that Angela is not. You know, she, she's playing coy or whatever. So you're saying the comedian is True's father. I'm saying there's evidence all over the place. There's clues. Do you think that Lady True's mother got freaky with all three of them simultaneously? And this is a Mamma Mia situation. Oh, my God. Where we don't know who the father is. <laughs> Are we going to have to get Mari on here? I think so. Mari Povich. God, that would be great. Okay. Uh, sorry. Back on topic. <laughs> uh and then, yeah, True reveals that she knows all about Cal's car accident uh, and that amnesia like that re- almost, almost never, never exists outside soap of soap operas. operas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Lady True is kind of playing coy here yeah. and being like uh, s- sort of planting the seed that Cal's story is not 100 uh, mm-hmm. percent uh, legit. 
And so it also raises the question, as Angela asks, like, how does she know all this about about Cal? And she he uh, she responds that Will told her. Mm-hmm. But like, how does Will know all this about Cal? I mean, there's a lot that Will knows that it seems like he shouldn't be able to know. Almost like he's got some kind of psychic powers. It's possible. What we what we do know is I'm gonna keep Will driving home this Will's Will's we know thing. that Will has a mind control device. A flashlight, yes. And you can do quite a bit with that. But you can't read people's minds with it. You can uh I think you can in. read you people's can minds. In. Yeah? Yeah. Read people. Do you think he's capable of uh sniffing out racism? Like it smells like, like it bleach. Smells like bleach. Uh I mean uh, it seems like uh, he, when when uh, when he's first talking to Angela in, in the bait cave and uh, she asks him how he did it. The first thing he says before he says that he's like maybe he's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. He says he has psychic powers, which is Shit. we know is like half true because he used the flashlight to do it to yeah. control Crawford's mind. But he does come out and say, like, I've got psychic powers like maybe he, at this time he's also reading Angela's mind. He knows the whole story about Cal. You do learn that a lot of what he said is a lot more true than you originally thought. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of something I love about shows like so this. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Where like they, they kind of lay it out in front of you, but you really don't know what to believe yep. until yep. till later. Uh, and then uh, Angela kind of gets defensive and starts putting true on the spot and she's like well you know what, what are you pumping into your daughter mm-hmm. what what uh nostalgia is she receiving so yeah true takes this opportunity to lay, <laughs> lay a card on the table it all like, out there well, well that's not my daughter you idiot and she kind of gets actually this, my like, mom. this grin on her face like she's like oh god i'm so glad i get to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> so i cloned my mom right harvested her memories and i'm drip feeding them to her so that they don't cause her head to explode God, how many clones do you think she went through before she realized that the heads explode if you give them too much information <laughs> at one time? Um, I also think it's interesting how uh, she. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Right. Mm. Uh, it's going to come back to me in like 10 seconds. Well, we'll wait. We don't have 10 to wait. 10 seconds of silence. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So I was going to bring up, sorry. Go ahead. Like I said, 10 seconds. We're back. I don't yeah. think it was 10, but yeah. Like, like she brings up uh, kind of subtly the, the nature versus nurture thing. Like she has a clone of her mom, but she wouldn't be her mom without her experiences. Sure. So you need kind of both mm. the genes and the memories to make the person. Mm-hmm. You need their trauma because it form, informs who they are, just as all these characters' trauma yeah. informs who they are. So, you know, uh, making a clone of John Osterman in a lake or whatever isn't enough to get you a new Dr. Manhattan. Same way that like making a clone of Beyond My is not going to give you the same pachyderm mom. You need to, you know, give her the memories of how her village died, how her how, how or was burned, how, mm-hmm. you know, how she struggled through all these things, because that is as much a part of who you are and who you become as anything else. I like that. And uh, she mentions Lady True mentions that uh, she's about to fulfill her life's Purpose, life's work, yeah. life's work. Mm-hmm. And she wants her parents. Why there. wouldn't she want her parents there? And then Angela's like, your parent, like your father's coming too. Yes, he's coming. Yeah, so that that's definitely a big hint. 
Um, and it could mean Dr. Manhattan, like if the seventh cavalry is trying to capture Dr. Manhattan and Lady True's trying to stop that, then maybe she's trying to bring Dr. Manhattan to her. If Dr. Manhattan's her father, that would make sense. It's possible. Yeah, that, that would but fit we, with that. Yeah. But then it's also possible that Ozzy will possible that Ozzy will be there as well. Yes. He's still got another year to figure out his situation and make it back to Earth. Mamma Mia. Before they're like, so. By the way, are you familiar with Mamma Mia? Do you appreciate my I joke? know. It's, that's ABBA, right? The song? I mean. But it's uh, also a movie with like Pierce Brosnan. they got like the soundtrack Brosnan. of ABBA. But yeah, the premise is that the, the mother, uh, I, I guess she, she had multiple lovers and she's not entirely sure who the father a loose is. loose woman. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, but uh, yeah, so she doesn't know. And uh, anyway, three suitors. So it's 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 funny. Guys, back me up. It's funny. I mean, yeah, I, I like like right. you had guessed. I'm not very familiar with Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Uh, it's I, I just I don't think I'm in the demographic for that one. Fair enough. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with that scene? I'm craving some calamari. I know. Um I mean, I think the only um, the, the next thing that kind of stuck out to me is Angela asks her point blank, what does the clock do? And she says and she point blank also responds that she's not going to tell her just no, not um, the typical. It tells time or not. Not like a typical misdirect. Like it's kind of this acknowledgement that, yeah, it does something, but I'm not going to tell you what. Right. Um, you're just going to have to wait and find out. Wait four hours and find out. Mm hmm. So then we uh, next we see the the, see the eye of the Cyclops. So I want to talk about that logo. Yeah, for I it's guess pretty cool looking. It's cool looking. It's, you it got, make you a got, good tattoo, you know. You, let's do it. Should we do it? Oh. A couple more drinks in, and we'll get some Cyclops tattoos, dude. I'm down. Would that then label us as white supremacists? I don't know if I want to identify with that. No, because it's not real. This is true. It's just really hard being a white man in America today. <laughs> Especially if you get tattoos that are associated with the white supremacy group from a TV show. Uh, no, but the, the eye. So the Cyclops eye, which we've seen, uh, but they've also got red in mm-hmm. the background, which I think is interesting because they've also got the like the Dr. Manhattan circle. Yes. With the dot at the top. Absolutely. Dr. Manhattan's color is blue. They've got red. Like an anti-Manhattan. Like a red. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and this is kind of a thing that you see a lot in superhero comics, like color scheming like this sure. way. So, you know, like the enemy of the Green Lantern is yellow. Yeah. And like, you know, the enemy of, you know, Batman who wears like black and gray is all the colorful Joker, you know, with purple and white and green and red. So like, you know, color scheming, the, the making a color juxtaposition is kind of a cool way to mm-hmm. sort of show the contrast. So I wonder if Joe Keen like goes through with his plan to become a blue one as opposed to a white one. Uh, what if he comes out red? Like what if he doesn't actually come out blue? That's originally because way back when we heard uh, like in the, uh, some news reporter was asking about the Russians working on an intrinsic field generator or mm-hmm. whatever. The reds, like, the reds. Right. So yeah. I'm like, Oh man, what if we get like a red Dr. Manhattan? And Oh, here, here's okay. I just, just had like a vision. Wait, what here. if like last episode, Joe Keen like emerges from a chamber as a glowing red being and mm-hmm. just starts destroying stuff with his powers. Sure. Like what, just marching through Tulsa and like, tank like Akira, you know, like tank shells are bouncing off of him and stuff. Uh And you see red scare, uh, like confront, like he comes up to him and he sees him and he's like, like his face just turns to an expression of horror. Yeah. And he's red scare scared of the red 
Manhattan. Ooh, like, there you go. Visual, like, play on words. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, we also do have a lot of uh, the red, white, and blue. Definitely theme. comes so up we, a lot. We've got yes. blue already. We've Maybe got we'll get a red. Plenty done. of whites. Lots of whites. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, and, and it, it is funny how much that that is brought up, like both in the show and the Wikipedia files. The red, yeah. white, and blue. Yeah. How um, you know the blue always represents Doctor Manhattan. The red, uh, I mean, I guess violence. You know. Yeah. And the white always represents white supremacy racism that whole thing it just it fits really well mm. it's almost like they did that on purpose do you think do you think that dawned these, on them or these, was it just these writers yeah damon lindelof you mad genius just coincidence <laughs> uh so yeah we're in the seventh cavalry hideout formerly jc pennies <laughs> and uh joe keen basically reveals that uh he's he wants to become a Dr. Manhattan type. Yeah, so he's like trying to launch into... He's talking about how hard it is being a white guy. He, he's trying he to launch into his supervillain monologue. Mm-hmm. And Laurie's just not letting him. Just not having. Like, Laurie's been through this before. Who knows how many that. times, yeah. you know? Uh, not, including the time Ozymandias did it. Um, yeah. At Karnak. <clears throat> sure. And so she's just like, she's tired. This is silly. She's tired of the tired silliness. Of the silliness. Yeah. Just... Do your thing. I'm in a chair. Like, what am I going to do? Just so tired. Press your stupid button. But yeah, then he, he, it definitely strikes a nerve when he tells her that like, it's going to be Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. The ex. You of all people. The guy who left you behind. Yeah. um, As he has a pattern of doing, you know, once his girlfriends age out. (laughs) It's one of the the pitfalls of immortality. I don't think a lot of people consider. I think Angela's getting dangerously close to being aged out. It's been, uh, they've been together for some time, I guess. Uh, maybe it's to her advantage that, you know, he, he has no memory of being Dr. Manhattan so that it's like, he's willing to stay with her longer. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Until she has to bash his head in with a hammer. With a hammer. And then he just comes to the sudden realization, oh my God, you're old. I need to get a young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember the future What am now? I doing here? Back to Mars. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, now, now we get to Lady True doing her TED talk. Yes. And she mentions that she, she bought MIT. She, yeah. What was it? 14 when she graduated MIT and, and then two years bought later, it, four bought years it, later, four yeah. years later, mm-hmm. uh, she mentioned that she had the first micro fusion spacecraft. Uh-huh. Do we think that's she's a regular relevant? Elon Musk? Certainly. Do you think he's her father? Ooh, oh I don't know if the timeline really works out. How Certainly. old is Elon? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. No one, knows. no one knows how old Elon is. <laughs> uh, mentions that nostalgia was a failure because people just wanted to relive their I, worst. I do think memories. it's interesting how she blames nostalgia's failure on everyone else. Mm. Everyone except her herself, you know? Yeah. Like she's everybody like I gave them something. They abused it. A tool to overcome their trauma and transform and transcend and become perfect people or whatever. And they just wanted to live in the past. But I mean, isn't that kind of the obvious result of doing well, something li- like not that? Well, not just the past, though. Live the most traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't know if I would relate to. I would probably only highlight... I would eliminate the negative and just focus on the positive. <laughs> I would just relive my birthday where I got Nintendo 64 for the first time. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think the idea is that, like, no people can't let go of their trauma. Like, 
uh, gone. Looking Glass couldn't <laughs> couldn't throw away his alarm system. You know, yes. His his identity was. I think the thing is that when your identity is built on kind of something traumatic, yeah, yeah, when it defines you, it's hard to let go of because then you don't know who you are. Mm. And I think Lady True is trying to get it that once you reach that point, you have the freedom to decide who you are. You don't have to be defined by yeah. your suffering. But that's too frightening a prospect for most people. Um, and so it almost seems like retreat. that's her, her grand plan is to get people to that. Maybe state. instead of an empathy bomb that makes people feel trauma, it's an amnesia bomb. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Because she mentioned total that people amnesia. are so burdened with their trauma, they can't move on. So what if this just erases all the trauma and then they're basically just. So nobody has any slates. knowledge of racism yeah, or no hate. Uh, yeah. Nobody has any concept of, of uh, past trans transgressions that, you know, it really uh, a reset button. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting idea. Could be. Could be. If I was an evil, trillion, evil or good trillionaire. If I was a trillionaire. If I was a morally um, ambiguous trillionaire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically what I said there, erase it, possibly erase the trauma. I also like her, you know, uh, paraphrasing of the, the poem. Oh, Ozymandias. She says, you know, countless generations will gaze on our mighty work and without despair, acknowledge something, something. And it sounds like she says like a miracle has happened or something. Mm. Uh, so Yeah. Definitely a callback to Ozymandias as well, and as as, sure. as her character often does. Her, her probable father, Ozymandias. Yep, <laughs> possible. And then uh, Angela, as it's, as you're hearing her talk, Angela's breaking into the uh, the room where she suspects her grandfather is. Yes, and, uh, thwarted by the the hand paint, whatever that. Right. Yeah. Which all you need is, is is to shoot it Just or something. Smash it. Yeah, and it opens right up. Seems like a big design flaw. Do you think Wilson? The people developed <laughs> the, the trap, trap door. door also they also designed her hand scanner yeah. locking mechanism. They're probably not going to be in business much longer. So she goes in there and uh, can we she just talk about the giant the elephant, elephant in the room? In the room yes. Yeah. Uh, turns out that the, the cure for nostalgia is to filter your fluid through a, a an elephant, which kind of reminds me. Uh, are you familiar with the story of the giver at all? Uh I don't know. They did a movie with Jeff Bridges a few years ago. It's it's a it's a it's a, a short novel about basically um, society kind of foregoes their 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 memories, their trauma, their suffering, and all that. Mm. And there's one person in society who experiences all these memories and history and stuff. Oh geez. Um, and that that person's called the giver. So like what the the elephant made me think of is that like oh they're kind of using this elephant. As their sort of dumping ground Got for yeah. suffering and trauma, like making it the giver, making it like the whipping boy. That yeah, making another, it yeah. Uh, sort of the scapegoat of all their It's kind of what I was suffering. thinking as well. Mm-hmm. And then I felt bad for the elephant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think because he'll never be able to Elephants forget. are highly like empathetic creatures. And Do so we know this? Is that yeah. a fact? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like making this, this elephant sort of uh, flush out all these traumatic memories from other people just they probably just like pile up in its its huge elephant brain and then we turn that elephant into a sociopathic monster who then becomes dr Dr. manhattan Manhattan. (laughs) uh yeah so we we get the giant elephant 
Um, we, we, I think we can assume that that's the natural host attached to Angela. Yes. And, you know, she needed some, what was it? Some cortex uh, fluid, cerebral spinal, cerebral fluid. spinal fluid. Yes. Why not choose an elephant with the biggest brain probably on the planet next to a blue whale? I really <laughs> should have had a blue whale. Uh, that would have been a little harder to keep it uh, in the to, to get a hold of and, and keep in the middle of Tulsa, Oklahoma. That would have been difficult, but not impossible for a trillionaire. <laughs> a trillion dollars could probably do it. I think so. And then so she sees the elephant, uh, realizes it's not her grandfather and she unplugs. And then when she does, uh, alarms start going off and she gets she passes out, pushed back into another little uh, flashback, flashback vision. And she's back in Saigon. Scrubbing floors. Scrubbing floors. And then she meets her grandma, June. Singing into hard knock life. <laughs> uh, yeah, June comes in there. And then uh, what do we call the uh, the evil orphanage woman? Did Step, we have a name master? for her? No. I don't know. Okay. Just evil. Just evil. that. La- the grumpy. Evil woman. Orphan. Or- orphan master. Sister. The game. Terrible. The game warden. The game warden. Uh, so yeah, Jane, June gets to finally meet Angela. She takes her to uh, Burgers and Borscht. Yes, my favorite chain restaurant. And sounds Saigon. pretty good. I don't know. I don't know what what is Borscht. It's like a Russian soup. soup. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that right? I think so. I've heard of a Borscht burger. How do you make a bur- Borscht burger? I don't know. Maybe that's not even real. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't... I'm basing it on a Wonder Woman cartoon I watched as a child. Wow. Yeah. That's... They had borscht burgers. Can, do you, can you distill that memory into pill form so that I can experience it? I'll have to do that later. Yeah. All right. Sweet. We'll, we'll do that post-podcast. <laughs> um, I like that uh, when, when they get these flashbacks is with, with June flashbacks, mm-hmm. plural. Yep. Uh, we, we kind of intertwine... Angela's own flashback of June with Will's flashback of June. It's Absolutely. almost like she's kind of merging those two, piecing it all together and mm-hmm. getting the full picture of who June, who is. June is. Yeah. Like she's getting a whole new uh, perspective perspective on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's absolutely like this whole time she's been flashing back. That's kind of been happening. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. She, she, as she's her child version is getting to know who June is. Uh, Angela also gets to know who June is from the perspective of Hood of Justice. Yeah. Um, with who, uh, about whom June has trouble talking because yes. as soon as asks, do I have a grandpa? Uh-huh. And she just changes the subject. Changes straight to, to Sister Knight. Oh, Knight. this movie. Great movie. We'll, we'll watch it as soon as we get back to Tulsa. She, I think she dropped an F-bomb, too. So she's, uh, you know, I don't... The, well, she said the... Did she say with the motherfucking mother gun? gun? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she said, you don't fuck with Sister you Knight. You don't fuck with Sister Knight. <laughs> yep. Now, I have not heard my grandma utter an F-bomb in all the years I've known her. Uh, your grandma is less colorful She's than mine. She's cool. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really all I had on that scene. Um, um, I do. Th- I, I think like while they're talking and while like, you know, uh, Angela pulls out the badge and tells June she's going to be a police officer. Oh, yeah, good call. Yeah. June, see, you know, totally f- responds to that, sees like history repeating itself. Totally. She's like, of course, of you, course are, you, you are. Of course you are. Yeah, I like y- that. Y- your grandfather did it. Your father did it. You know, now you're doing it because, you know, the cycle repeats itself. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that kind of like 
even like strikes a bit of worry in June because it's like. Then she says, what else you got in that backpack? Yeah. And we, then we she gotta busts try, out. She's trying to pull her back to Tulsa, pull her yeah. you know, away from this lifestyle to where she can have a normal life. But yeah. So like, like you said, so first she sees the, the police badge and she asks what else you have. And then she busts out the sister night. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like choosing between the two. You got the badge and then the or mass vigilante light. Combining them, yeah, which is where we are now. Yep, she she winds up smashing those two objects together, and the result is Angela Abar's sister night. Yes, like like mixing burgers and borscht. So I think that can, we can assume that that's kind of uh, where Angela got the inspiration. She, yeah. She's always identified with that Sister Knight character. Mm-hmm. Even though she's never seen the Even movie. Even though she's never seen the movie. And like quite possibly still hasn't. How, how like uh poignant of a, a a point is it too that, you know, she she mentions to little Angela, like, you know, why do you like this one? She asked her why do you like this one? And Angela says she looks like me. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I guess she does look like you. Probably not a lot of people in in Saigon, in Saigon who look like you. And I, I feel like that's kind of a nod to like you know, basically the experience that, you know, African-American people have not right. seeing themselves reflected in media very often. Yeah, right. And so most yeah. superheroes are not African. Why wouldn't you gravitate towards what few media there is? Yeah. That it was either that, that you can or, relate to that uh, was it Silk Spectre's porno. So I'm glad she chose the <laughs> Sister Knight. Could have been a much different. I mean, Sister Angela Knight Abar. might have some adult situations. We don't. Yeah. Well, OK, so so Sister Knight. Is the nun with a gun. Mm-hmm. A nun is essentially married to God. Yeah. And How about that? Angela is married to a God. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm sure it was unintentional. But foreshadowing that you don't realize that. is foreshadowing yeah. until later, you know? Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so then we, yeah, we get that scene with June and Angela. And then Angela... Uh, is going to take her back to Tulsa, and she buckles her into the taxi. What she says, precious cargo. Like precious cargo. Yeah. Angel's got a little smile on her face, and, and that then she did not passes last the long. fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Angela, almost like without even being surprised, is just like, "Well, there <laughs> so, goes another this one. This is my life. Back mm-hmm. to the orphanage." So how do you like uh, all these like character actors from DC movies showing up in in? In this show. So we've got... Uh, we got Black Manta. Jeremy Irons played Alfred. Oh, you're right. He was Alfred. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yaya. Mm-hmm. He, he played uh, Black Manta yep. in, in, in Aquaman. Yep. And now the girl who plays Angela was in Shazam. Regina King was in Shazam? No, the young Angela. Oh, young Angela. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yep, yep. So... Gotcha. Kind of cool, I guess. Like, you know, whatever you might think about how all the DC movies are going, there, mm-hmm. there's this interesting little, at least meta continuity with with Watchmen being a DC property and and these actors. Uh, Fun fact is that Jeremy Irons actually has a mustache in real life that they ended up using CGI <laughs> in Watchmen. You couldn't even tell he had it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a sensitive topic, sir. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, and uh, June has the heart attack again. Poor mm-hmm. June. A real one this she time. She shouldn't have gone to Borscht, bur- Borscht, Burgers <laughs> and Borscht after having a heart Maybe attack. Maybe she should have gone to Gunga Diner instead. <laughs> <laughs> get, a, get a salad or something? I don't know. Um, 
I did find it interesting that as she passed out, uh, the taxi cab driver's looking for help, and there's a police officer not even facing her who's just waving along traffic, like uh-huh. uh, the people walking across the street. So, yeah. Doesn't it, register that someone there's had a heart attack behind him. There's definitely a theme of, of the police officers aren't really about the protecting and serving in this mm. world. You know, they're the, it's, they, they have their own interests that they serve. Yeah. And, uh, that doesn't always align with, with what the, you know, what on paper their job title is supposed to be. I like it. Mm. Good analysis. Anyway. So yeah, I think that's about that scene. Um, and then Angela wakes up in elephant room, elephant with room. alarms blaring and, uh, starts to to starts poking around she's like okay i gotta find some figure out what's going on with lady true so she goes to the elevator goes to floor zero level zero that's where i would go if i'm looking for answers and finds uh the globe so we mentioned in our just a sip episode that this room reminded us of cerebro yes from from x-men um which is like i the more i i I think about it the more it kind of like is true on a bunch of levels like because like cerebro like Professor X in there, he gets, you know, information messages from to hear people all from over the world. world. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's this globe that reveals the messages everyone has has given to the Manhattan booths. Yes. Um, in, in one of them, uh, which Angela listens to, is a woman uh, speaking Spanish saying that, you know, she has cancer oh, in her cerebro, in her brain. Oh, my she says she the said word. Cere- oh yeah, she, she actually said the word cerebro in, in uh, I feel like that's kind of an Easter egg. Yeah, too, for right? sure. For sure. Um, nice. So, yeah, I kind of I do like how how they like to slip those little things in there. It's nice that uh, speaking Spanish comes in handy. Every once in a while, there. yes. Fantastic. The most widely spoken language. Muy bueno. <laughs> Muy bien. Uh, what else do we see? Uh, so when when uh, Angela sees Lori in the booth, I notice that she's got kind of a scowl on her face looking at Lori. Mm. But she also kind of doesn't react all that much. She's just like kind of after it's done, she kind of moves on because it looked like she cut it off. Like she didn't want to hear it. I think I think I th- it's I think she knowing that because An- Angela, we know that Angela knows that Cal is Dr. Manhattan. Right. So Angela knows that Lori is Cal's ex. Uh-huh. So it stands to reason that she's got, you know. But I also feel like she she's almost got like this, this uh that puts her in a position like uh kind of above Lori in a way. Like, oh, like Lori's in here in this booth trying to talk to her ex, who I'm currently with. Right, right. It's like, sorry, sucker, like he's with me now. Like all of a sudden, like Lori. Uh, I, or at least Angela, I feel like might feel this bit of, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, th- this greater confidence in, in seeing something like that. Mm. Um, because it's, it's Lori in a moment of weakness, right? Sure. Cause she, it's supposed to be this private conversation that she's desperately hoping will reach Dr. Manhattan. But Angela is sitting here knowing that it's, it's not that everything, not everything Lori wants, Angela basically has. Yeah. In a way, in a weird, yeah, like it's not a perfect situation, but at least, you know, when Lori, Lori had seemed like she'd, she'd had, you know, uh, like she'd had Angela's number this whole time. Yep. Now the table's kind of turned. Tables have turned. Mm-hmm. I like it. How the turntables. <laughs> uh, then True shows up. And looks especially menacing in the dark light. Yeah. How about her, that? Like, like dark beady eyes. Very menacing. Reflection. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she reveals that Dr. Manhattan has these, you know, these poor people who are praying and hoping that it'll come down from the heavens to save them. 
And he never does because he's not listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she reveals that he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, you watch Angela's reaction mm-hmm. and she's just keeping her, you know, she's keeping it together. Yes. Angela definitely knows how to how to kind of redirect this, this yeah, situation. She's really good at it um, because she then suppressing. At, she immediately refers to uh, the fact that Will brought up the same thing. So you gave my father, uh, my grandfather, that idea. Yeah, she said, actually, he gave it to me. Mm hmm. So, um, he came to her this is, uh, for her help. Yeah. This little conversation the is, is the one that I, I'm really trying to decode the most because it, so, so lady true says to Angela, like, are, are we done fucking, fucking around? around? Yeah. Are we going to just be honest with each other? Um, which mm. of course means that lady true is not being right. honest right now. So, so I'm trying to decipher what her, her motivation is. The first time I saw this, I'm like, okay, so she's trying to goad Angela into going to Cal yeah. and doing the whole thing, which she does, like it works. Right. Um, like clockwork. But then, so I, I wonder if, if Lady True's working against the seventh cavalry and has like a separate plan, which if she's working with Will, it seems like that would have to be the case. Cause Will's obviously anti seventh cavalry. Cause he killed Judd Crawford. Yep. Um, then why does she need Dr. Manhattan? Does her plan involve Dr. Manhattan being revealed the same way the seventh cavalry's plan does? It's like, they're both converging on the same event, right? Lady true sends Angela home to wake up Dr. Manhattan. The seventh K is waiting there for that to happen too. So, and she even says it's going to be less than an hour. They're going to capture Dr. Manhattan. And Angela's like, Holy shit. I have to like, wake him. I guess maybe Angela's afraid that they're going to capture her while he's in Cal form. And he won't have the power to help Perhaps. himself. Yeah. But it seems like they actually need him to be come doc yeah, to, to, right. to hatch yeah. in order for it to, to happen. I mean, Which is it's, interesting. You'd think they could just grab Cal, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So so they, they, Angela's the only one who knows how to wake him up. A hammer to the head. <laughs> it turns out That's it's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. Um, but why why each party needs this to have it, it's just I just need to see the next episode to see what happens. I, un, I need to understand this plan and I don't get it yet. There's not enough pieces to the puzzle, at least not that I can see. <laughs> uh, agreed. Yes. We don't know what what's going on. Um, we do know that true knew uh, when the Clark farm, when mm-hmm. that space yes. object was going to fall. So true seems to have some sort of a foresight. Yeah, some she's able to predict certain things. Um, but like like why? you said, uh, if she knew that the Seventh Cavalry was coming for Cal, you'd think that they could very easily just divert that instead of playing into it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think whatever it is she she she's tapped into this future site or whatever, similar to the way it works for Doctor Manhattan. Where you can see the future, but you can't change it. Yep. You know, there's the the events are gonna play out, so you just kind of make them un- unfold as they will. Um, it's still like maybe the Seventh Cavalry is trying to do their thing, and Lady True knows all about it and is not working with them, but wants to let them do their step so that she can step in and do something else. You know, maybe she's she's riding yeah. Seventh Cavalry's. I can see that efforts. Yeah. Um, but I mean that again, that's really just speculation. Like it could be, it could go all kinds of different ways. It's hard to tell. Yeah. It is very curious that 
uh, 7th Cavalry has so much true technology. Mm-hmm. I, like, if it was one th- thing, then mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, they stole it. But they have a lot. Yeah. So it's very curious. Yeah, for sure. Um, she reveals that in less than an hour, they're go- the 7th Cavalry is going to kill Dr. Manhattan and then become him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she also called... Uh, says that Angela never asked who Dr. Manhattan is. Yeah. So it implies that she knows exactly who he is. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, Angela's response to that is, is kind of perfect because silence, <laughs> because like if Lady True knows who it is and, and, and she says it's Cal, then Angela needs to get the fuck out of there like immediately so that she can, you know, so she doesn't give Lady True the chance to give the dramatic reveal and possibly, you know, prevent Angela from getting to Cal. She just needs to go. And she also doesn't play in, play her hand at all that she knows it's Cal. Right. Um, except so far as to say that if True knows that it's Cal, then True knows that Angela knows it's Cal. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, what's going to happen, man. It's hammer time. It's, it is hammer time. We so, cut the, then Angela... Uh, leaves the elevator, just staring true down the whole time, doesn't say a word. Mm-hmm. It's pretty badass. Yeah, totally. Just once, I want to go into an elevator, stare somebody down, don't even break <laughs> eye contact right? until the elevator closes. Uh, so she goes out, she's driving out, and it's funny that the security guard just lets her go willy-nilly. You see, like, the little barricade, uh-huh. right? It and lowers, it like, down, immediately, yeah. Like, no problem. But then you got well, because Jenny Lady True's letting Angela leave. I think that's an important that's that's what kind of first tipped me off that right. she might be working with the Seventh Cavalry. Yeah, is that she really does not do anything to stop Angela, in in spite of the fact that she's in the middle of her treatment or all these yeah. things. I mean, it's one of those. It's like the the true like she knows what's going to happen, but she can't interfere. So she's just going to watch as it unfolds mm-hmm. because she's she's got the Millennium Clock. I, I think mm-hmm. is helping her kind of. Tell time. Maybe. Yeah. Tell what's going to happen. Right. So then, yeah, Red Scare tries to barricade. I don't know why he didn't see Red this Scare's happening. Red Scare's eating a sandwich. With lettuce. So we've like, been talking about a salad this whole time. What if it's actually what a, if it's sandwich? a sandwich? You're right. White bread. Egg. Was it white bread? Is there an, or was it an wheat? Egg. I don't know. I don't think we knew the type of bread. I'm going to go with white. Why? Because the Seventh Cavalry. Yeah. Okay. Because racism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it looked like it had lettuce on it. So I, I think four out of five racists prefer white bread, <laughs> or maybe all of them. <laughs> that might be a five, out five, five, out five out of five. Or maybe they all they all closet like you know wheat or even like marble rye bread. Yeah. But you know they don't they wouldn't say that. Rorschach if you would ask like them. the marble rye. I think. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite type of bread, everybody at home? I want to know. Sourdough? I like sourdough. Any, I like Italian, actually. Any honey wheat fans out there? You know, honey, honey wheat? wheat's pretty good. What about pretzel bun? Pretzel, pretzel bun, bun is, is great, yeah. Pretty delicious. With like a ham and cheese sandwich on a pretzel bun. Mm. Mm. Back to the episode. Uh, so Red Scare tries to block her. She drives through. Obviously, we all saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he didn't see. He's a bad detective. Yeah. <laughs> always eating i love that uh right after we hear that dr manhattan's in tulsa oklahoma we see red scare eating and pirate jen is like why are you always hungry it's almost like maybe he's dr manhattan (laughs) nope nah pretty unlikely so then yeah angela drives home 
And as she approaches her home, we see that the 7th Cavalry is staking out. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for somebody to turn blue inside. Somebody to blue themselves. It is all just a, a vast and insidious conspiracy. So yeah, Cal's on the couch, passed out with a book. What book was that? Ernest Hemingway's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Interesting. Uh, as distinct from Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. I love that you know that. <laughs> everybody knows that. Yeah, everybody. Uh, so tell me, what, what's a, why would that be a significant book for him to be reading? Oh, man. Honestly, I, I wish I knew more. About I know it. the bullet points yeah. just because it's about I've like the Spanish Civil War. There's a there's a lot. And yeah. I'm going to I've never read it. I'm not going to pretend I have. But I uh, in, in tying in with the storyline, essentially, spoiler alert, uh, it's the story of a man who knows he's going to die ah. and he falls in love. So how appropriate that. Indeed, because we hear about Dr. Manhattan perhaps dying in an hour. Yeah, logically, you'd have to know that you'd have to assume that Dr. Manhattan experiencing all of time simultaneously knows how he knows. he's going to die. Sure. He could have foreseen this. And uh, yeah. And, and knows that there's no avoiding it because he's Dr. Manhattan for some reason. Although what he could just go to Europa. No one's going to get him there. Sure. But then what would be the point of his existence? I think he tries to he's trying to connect with. Humanity, right? So, like, yep. in the comic book, we see Dr. Manhattan spends, like, the whole time, we see through his relationships how he diverges from humanity, mm-hmm. how he becomes less human. Yep. Um, and I feel like, uh, and that culminates with him leaving the galaxy to go create life of his own. Yep. Maybe this show is going to show him coming back and reconnecting with humanity. Like something we, we might not have thought was possible, but you know, maybe he, uh, seems to be the case. The, the only way he, he can really do that is to sort of uh, find somebody else to connect to and then give up on his own identity right. as Dr. Manhattan, give up his memories and create and this all fictitious that. accident, become um, Cal Ebar. And because maybe that's, Maybe being an immortal being on Europa is not as worthwhile as being somebody who's going to die, but gets to be with Angela Abar, you know? So here's a good question. Does Cal age with Angela or is he the same as when he first met her? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think he's basically just got a functioning human body at this point, right? Like an he idealized this, version of a human body. I, well, would, st- I wouldn't mind having but still, that body. <laughs> still just a, you know, a, uh, a, a fully human form that, yeah. that he's he's created and adopted. So I would assume that he does age in this form. What happens when Cal dies? Uh, well, we, we kind of <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> uh, Angela digs a, a ring out of his head, um, the, the emblem mm. out of his forehead. And then uh, we see... The blue glow on her face, sort of like how we saw the blue glow on on Lori's face when she opened the briefcase. Oh, um, but in this case, so uh, so there was a to giant what, blue dildo inside of Cal <laughs> the whole time. At, not a dildo, the real deal. Oh my god, the actual giant blue penis, Manhattan dong. Uh, so yeah, it, but it, it's it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where she sees Lori's prayer. Um, and is, you know, Lori's the one left behind. Angela's got the real thing now. Lori can open the case. And when she sees the blue light, it's, you know, just a toy. Yeah. But when Angela sees the blue, blue light, it's, it's the real thing. It's Dr. Manhattan himself. Mm. So I feel so, like that, that theme is kind of. So Dr. Manhattan has been hiding 
in a in a we can hiding in the closet, and that's where they like to. That have, is where they like to go. Make love yes. in the closet. It all makes sense now. Well, I mean, when you've got a shotgun in your headboard, you kind of need to be careful. You got to be careful. Accidents happen. Yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't want you wouldn't want it to go off early. Wouldn't it be funny if that we we uh, they learned that lesson the hard way? <laughs> <laughs> like, like this isn't the first time Cal has died and then become Doctor Manhattan. Be like, oh, better turn back into Cal because we weren't supposed to do it's it. Like yet. a Venture Brothers situation, clone <laughs> dying. Okay, uh, so yeah, then we uh, maybe that's what happened on the White Knight. Cal got, got shot. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan and was like, oops, comes, better blue, like undo that. We're a little out. early. Yeah. I mean, that <clears throat> it's possible because that would explain how. Yeah. Like, so like maybe Cal gets shot by the second cavalryman who's like holding a shotgun to Lori. Yeah. And then Dr. Manhattan walks around the corner and disintegrates the dude, which is sure. why there's no mention of a second gunman. Ooh. And then he's like, all right, now. But then who was that second gunman? So that one, an so you're saying, okay. Yeah, an anonymous cavalryman. Um, but then uh, Cal's like, okay, not supposed to be Manhattan yet, so let's go ahead and rewind and turn back into his not-so-final form, yeah. Uh. That's, I mean, that's that's a huge stretch and a lot of speculation, but it's, it's, it's a but possibility. But this is Watchmen after We're having all, fun. So, yeah. We're having fun, ladies and gentlemen. I like it. I like it. Um. So then we get the hammer scene. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a special hammer or is this just a everyday hammer? Uh, if it was a special hammer, she probably wouldn't have had to go through like six drawers to find it. Well, well if it was a special hammer, she would have to because she's looking for that specific hammer. No, nah, because like she would know she would she have just... a place. If it's a special hammer, she would have a place for it. You know, like in an event of, you know, <laughs> Dr. Manhattan break emergency, glass. break glass and use the magic hammer. Now, I think she just, anything that will open his head yeah. is what she wants. Well, she does have a shotgun in her headboard. Not so anymore. Probably, that's true. Uh, and then as the episode ends, we get uh, her smashing his head over the cover of David Bowie's Life, Life on, on Mars. Mars. Yeah. Which I think is funny because we're all supposed to assume he's on Mars. Right. He's not. Nope, not anymore. Um, and so, yeah, she digs into his forehead and pulls out a little metal, like, I don't know, magnetic version of his emblem. Like, yeah. sort of like the earrings that he gives to Janie Slater in the mm. comic book, which look like the emblem as well. He really likes that emblem. Uh, the boy's yeah. marketing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's almost like he had some sort of an implant that cut off his god powers. Yeah. Somehow. Uh-huh. And, and like his memories like yeah. or or maybe like having that in there like contained his manhattanness in like a real localized spot so that he could be just a a person. So good. Yeah. Bravo. I did not uh, I did not see that coming. I had read some theories of Cal being Dr. Manhattan. Sure, but like... But I've also read other theories of other people being Dr. Manhattan. I think in, so in one of our, of our first episodes way back before the show started, I mentioned that like the one thing I wanted from the show was to be surprised. Yes, you did. And like... Success? Definitely. Like everything, like even the things you predict still come about in a surprising way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't have predicted that, you know, it, even if... Dr. Manhattan was disguised as Cal. I wouldn't have anticipated that he also erased his own memories and or that Angela was fully aware yes, the entire time. And, right? and had to bust his skull open to to get him out, you mm-hmm. know. 
And that's it. I guess uh, Pedipedia. Yes. Let's dig in. Kind of a brief one this week. We've got two Pedipedia files. Um, if you're unfamiliar, Pedipedia is some supplemental material that HBO releases online that uh, gives a little more insight to in, the in world. the Watchmen world. It's basically the whole internet. Yes, but in our world, it's like the smallest part of the internet. So, are we to assume in the Watchmen world that? Pedipedia is a, a URL that it's the only URL. <laughs> it's one of the few. Uh, one of the few, I think, which I think is why, like, you know, it's uh, I, I think I mentioned this before that the website design is designed like somebody totally. like an old who hasn't been designing websites. Sure. It's very in the modern world. Primitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one we get is a uh, memo, the origin story of Sister Knight. Yes. So, yeah, it's PD basically talking about that film. Uh, uh, the the Sister Night movie. Yep. Which so does does it mention like what led him to uh, that movie? I think he's just exploring the origin of Sister Night, so he knows that Sister Night is a movie from that uh, time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's it. Really, he's just okay. He's he just putting that, that together. I think. I, yeah, I don't know if how he knows, but he knows. He's got. He, you know, he's got his ways. Sure. Petey's got... He does find out that uh, that movie, despite being um, almost lost to time, has been screening at a theater owned by Will Reeves ever since he received his inheritance from Captain Metropolis. That's right. Every Sunday night at midnight since 2017, Will Reeves has been playing... It's like this world's version of The Room. Which is apparently the same year that Angela put on the mask. Yeah. So Will's been keeping tabs on Angela. Right. Like he's got psychic powers. Ooh. It's like, like how if else he has psychic Will... powers, wouldn't he have been affected by the uh, incident? Yeah. Why? Like, sure. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't he have been? Plus the, the movie theater is in New York. So if he were to be in New York at the time of the incident, why is he not? Well, dead? Uh, let's, I, I'd have to look back at the timeline as to when he receives the inheritance, but yeah. did he have it at the time? Of the I don't, incident? I don't, all I know is that uh, he still owned the theater at 2017, and he's been playing this since 2017. Okay. 2017 is when she first wore the mask, so I guess yeah. that's when the white so the, knight... the squid was way before that. Way before. So we don't know where he was in 80-something. Right. Fair in point. 85, yeah. All right. Uh, so it explores the, the, the origin of Sister Knight, and he talks about how there was a series of black mask films uh responses and parodies to actual masked vigilantes like, like black exploitation like black exploitation basically nowadays, yeah mm-hmm. uh it's funny that they mentioned that uh batman is a spoof of yeah. night owl uh-huh right like instead like in of this vice world, versa yeah. or in our world yes absolutely night owl is obviously that. yeah um no home videos exist because this in this world that technology just didn't uh or wasn't common to have at least, at least that that movie, Sister Night, No Home Videos exist. Yeah, well, I think that's a super rare rare film. Like Maybe. like a lot of those those movies that came out in like yeah like the seventies and whatnot are almost lost to time. Or like mm. the studios have them, but they haven't re released them or anything. Like he mentions waiting on a re release from the the studio. Be funny that we've got PDPedia. Be great if he had uh, PD Pirate Bay. 
There you go. Where he released yeah. <laughs> Torrents of Sister Night and other black exploitation vigilante movies. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, Will basically says that he still has not been able to see it, but uh, Will Reeves plays it at that movie theater. So he wants to plan a, a trip to New York for yeah. well, educational Once this all purposes. blows over. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with that memo? I think that was pretty much I the highlight. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then the second one is uh, evidence of Calvin Jelani medical report from yes. December 23rd of 09. Right. Apparently the date of his accident. His accident. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this definitely sheds a lot of light on on Cal, uh, like who, who he is or, or what the circumstances were of his his becoming Cal. It, uh, it basically looks like an actual medical uh, form mm-hmm. that you fill out, right? Yeah. And we I, find out that his previous employer was Pyramid Global Construction. Yeah. So I guess that is that's like part of a backstory they made up. Uh, for 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 because so if Angela and and the medical report mentions Angela that she brought yes. him and took responsibility for all that. So if she and uh, Doctor Manhattan came up with this plan, that they must have come up with some kind of a backstory, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you're gonna be you know, a 10th level gnome barbarian, you know, uh, a dude construction worker for, for pyramid, you know, one of yes. Adrian Veidt's companies. companies. Yep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll set your date of birth to this. We'll set your name to this, you know, make it 33 years old, which I thought was kind of significant because very Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. In, in true Linda Lovian tradition, yeah. uh, we got that religious reference with, uh, Jesus dying and being reborn at 33. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Linda Lovian is a new word that I've discovered. And, and Linda Lovian. I, I like a lot. Just basically describing the works of Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on the internet now. So it's, it's, it's a thing. Uh, we say, we, we, we find out that Angela is the one that took him to the hospital. So uh, basically to talk about how there was a, a car accident. And or some kind of accident. Some sort of a, a head injury, mm-hmm. which they note in the documents that there were no visible injuries. Yeah, they, they say there was a contusion on his forehead, like yeah. where the emblem was, but then uh, that it's now not visible. Um, uh, Angela took him to the hospital and she did most of the talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor recommended an MRI, but they refused, citing no insurance. Plus, if he's got a metal ring in his head during an MRI that obviously that is one problem yeah. that to show up he'd go yeah. all Manhattan in the machine and uh, they the, the doctor mentioned that he uh, the patient took great interest in my doctor Manhattan bobblehead yes they also mentions that he's like unusually passive and polite and yep. and just calm for somebody who 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 has who's suffering you know total amnesia which is unusual yes uh but very much you know like doctor Manhattan just Yep. And the cow ever, that we've ever known. calm. Very, yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very calm. Calm demeanor. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's that's it for the PDPedia, as yeah. far as I can say. One other thing, uh, previous PDPedia file, uh, we learned about uh, Lori's blue toy. Mm-hmm. In detail. The phallic toy. Uh, it was named Excalibur. Ah, that's right. And uh, Excalibur. Ex, we, we now know that Cal Abar is uh, Dr. Manhattan, Lori's who's also ex. Lori's ex. So Excalibur. Uh, 
Words, Excalibur. man. Perhaps that was intentional. Perhaps. And like it, it also some, uh, meshes on another level because like Dan Dryberg is all obsessed with Merlin, Merlin stories. And I know it's perfect. Yeah. It's so perfect. Well done. Bravo. Hats off to you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Alan Moore himself couldn't have written this. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Any outstanding yeah. questions? I think we... I don't we're, think we're so. Almost like to two, we're, we're, we surpassed two hours. I think I, that's a good. A, here we are, like doing our best to keep our content girthy for your ear holes. So girthy. Uh, so hope you've enjoyed the journey as much as we have. If you'd like to support us, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HBO Watchmen. We've got an Instagram uh, at Watchmen Pod. And you can find us and links to all of this on our website at theonedrinkin.com. Not .org. That's a whole different thing. Actually, I have no or idea. .edu. Right. I think we'd have to be like a, a school. registered yeah. school. I don't know how that works. We're working works. on it. Yeah. Once I get the uh, approval. <laughs> until then. We teach one class. We're just .com. Uh, until next time. We are one drink in. And you can too. <laughs>